The nail in the coffin! Welcome to The Nail in the Coffin, episode number 43. I am Tom Valentino. I am joined by Travis Uli. We are recording on Monday night. Trav, I guess this is take two for episode 43, right? Yeah, we'll call the first one a, uh, a dry run, I guess. Although none of that material is uh, <laughs> is applicable anymore. But uh, for the record, I was right about Ohio State. Heartbreak Hotel. So it's two weeks since everybody has heard from us. It has not been two weeks since we've actually done this, we we did record an episode last week, and I was all excited when we hung up because um, I, I as I told Trav right was we were wrapping up. I felt like it was a really good episode, and then um, everything just went to hell. Technology, Technology gods were not with us. They were not. Um, it was it was not good times. Uh, the the file got lost. Something it just didn't record, and uh, uh, it's off in the ether somewhere. So. Um, didn't happen, but uh, the good news is we've we've got all new recording software. I think we've got all our bases covered. Hopefully, this one will come through with flying colors. But uh, you know what the hell? Let's let's talk Buckeyes first. I'm, I'm calling an audible here. You like did it. say last week um, going into the big game at Oklahoma that uh, you liked the Buckeyes' chances, and sure enough, they look pretty damn good. They looked incredibly strong. I, I yeah, I definitely liked their chances. Um... I, I don't know that I thought it would look like it did because it was, it wasn't as close as the final score even said it was. Um, the Buckeyes, the defense came out a little slow. Um, that first drive, Oklahoma kind of marched right down the field on them a little bit. It seemed like, um, then they clanked that field goal, and after that, it was all Bucks. I, I'll tell you what the you, I've heard people talk about this a lot, just in terms of like the the pure athletes and the speed that you see from the Ohio state players, especially the last couple of years since urban Myers taken over and started recruiting um, some of his own guys into the program. That was like the first instance where I really was just totally blown away by just watching it on television. Like those running backs in particular, man, when they were getting around the edge, just absolutely blew me away the way that they were they were beating the defenders and, and getting around the corner and running away from it. It, it. That was just wild. Yeah, I think Mike Weber's got a little more burst than people thought. I mean, he he's sort of he, he's short. He's not short, short, but he's not super tall. But he's really like stocky, really broad kid. And I think a lot of people thought, yeah, he's got he's got enough speed, but he's going to be more that uh, between the tackles type guy. Um, I sort of pictured like an Antonio Pittman, um, Boom Heron type who gets you a lot of yards but isn't going to like outrun many guys. But he, he had a couple plays where, you know, he hit the corner and he was flying by guys that in, in theory he shouldn't have been able to. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. It sticks out a lot. I'm not sure if Ohio State is the most um, most talented, but they are – I guess maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe they're not the most, they're definitely not the most experienced and they may not be the best players, but they're just more talented than anyone else by a lot. I think Um, not necessarily Alabama, but of everyone that they're going to play this year, they're going to have the most talent on the field and urban Myers coaching his ass off, making these, these young kids kind of forget the scene that they're on um, and just getting them to play, you know, 
as as well as he can. He's getting everything out of him right now. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, they've had very talented teams in the past, but just having the best talent doesn't necessarily translate into wins. I, I think they had more talent on the field last year than Michigan State. They didn't win the game. You know, I I think there's something to be said for coaching those players up and especially a team like Ohio State this year when there was so much turnover in their starting lineup on both sides of the ball. And for a lot of those players, it was their first true road game and it was in a very tough environment to play in. And um, they were up to the challenge. I mean, the wide receiver, Noah Brown, just wow. phenomenal. And, wow. and that welcome, catch welcome he, to the party, kid. Oh, yeah. And, and that, and that catch he had and, and where he trapped the ball on the guy's back, the defensive backs. Uh, he's pretty much already got locked up for uh, play of the year. Yeah, that, that that very well could be showing up on the ESPYs next summer. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, those who don't know, I mean, he, they, they expected a lot out of him last year. Um, and before the season started, he had a really bad, he broke his leg. And it was one of those, it was sort of a weird story that day because it came out, it was before the season even started. And it was one of those things where it was, it was sort of just like a Paul fell over the whole team and everyone was like, this kid was going to have a huge season. And then he had this super gruesome injury that, you know, upset a lot of guys. I mean, it, was, it was more dramatic than just a normal, you know, camp injury. So he missed all the last season and uh, it, it doesn't look like he, it's going to have any long-term effects at least, which is nice to see. Certainly, it didn't look like it on Saturday night. No, no. If if he's if he's below right now, what they expected of him, I'd I'd hate to see, or I'd actually love to see what was expected of him. Um, but back to the running backs, since since Urban, I mean, even back to Florida, since Percy Harvin left Florida, every every season it seems like they've had the the next. This is going to be the guy that fills that Percy Harvin role. They always make up some guy. It's a different guy every time. It seems like. Um, I've sort of avoided that. I don't. I don't like doing that. I guess because Urban's shown a ability to kind of make the guys he has fit their own mold instead of just trying to. Have, but I think uh, Curtis Samuel's damn close to what he did um, to what Urban did with Percy Harvin. I think Curtis Samuel's probably the closest that he's had since then, and that's that's pretty exciting to look forward to. I sort of. I was honestly a little disappointed when I I heard that. Curtis Samuel was going to be more of that position than he was going to be a pure running back. Cause I thought he looked great when he got carries last year um, instead of Zeke Elliott. So I was a little sort of like, I, I would have liked to see him at running back, but the way that they're getting in the ball and getting him involved, uh, I'll take it. Well, it was a very impressive showing on Saturday night. Um, I, I think that what Buck, the, uh, the Bucks here get a week off now, right? Yeah, they're off this week and then homecoming next week against Rutgers. Okay. Well, I think they've earned it. <laughs> Pretty yeah. good start here yeah. through the uh, first three weeks of the season. That's funny. We talked. I mean, we just went on for a minute. We didn't even talk about how well the defense played, but it's very no. basic, very basic ass kicking they laid down. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, That's why backups I, don't talk to the media. And and Coach Stoops down there has made sure that that never happens again. I think he just put in a ban on uh, talking to all underclassmen for the media for the rest of the year, because he said they can't be trusted. And, uh, that young man learned the hard way. That's, yeah. that, that's why you don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I sort of said, no, I was just gonna say, I said it before the game actually to a couple of my friends I was talking to. I said, Baker Mayfield, I think is this kind of guy who like, he's really good. He thinks he's great. Um, and he's, he's probably like the guy that's most likely to, um, 
he'll make some some awesome plays for you, but then he'll just make these plays that just infuriate you because he thinks he can do stuff that no one can do. Um, and he had a couple of those moments uh, on Saturday, and I think he's a great player, but I think ultimately he's just he's got to learn to sort of play within himself a little bit better. Um, and that showed a little bit. And I don't, I don't know. There wasn't really anyone that stood out to me that much on Oklahoma for a team that, you know, was in the playoff last year and was a top five team coming in this year and returned so many guys. They just, I, I don't, I don't know what happened between this year and last year, honestly. I was expecting a little bit more out of their running game. Although I think to be fair, once they fell behind by multiple scores, um, especially in the second half when they were still down by about 18 or whatever, it was just going to be really hard to get the running game going. So uh, Mixon and P. Ryan are the, the two big names that they had there. Their running backs um, kind of became a non-factor. But, uh, wow, just um, impressive all around for the Bucks. Yep, no question. Uh, nice to see going into Big Ten season. Sort of right now it feels like, it kind of feels like, to me, it feels like Bama, Ohio State. And then everyone else, I know people are really high on Louisville after what they did to Florida State last year, but or last week. But um, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to see a little more out of them. That I, I, it just seems like they're one of those teams, probably historically, that just. And I know it's a different, it's a different season and all that stuff. And uh, the quarterback Lamar, what's his last name? Jackson. Jackson. Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's been incredible, but they got to do it for a whole season, and I'm not sure uh, if that's in the cards they're obviously the other the other team that deserves mention right now and then I think there's going to be a bunch of teams battling it out for fourth place. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll say this about uh about the Louisville QB. There were some people I saw very excited about the fact that they might have wagered a few credits on him as a Heisman trophy winner at 100 to 1 before the season started and he is oh, yeah. now the odds on favorite. So Oh, I would think so. But I mean we've seen that before though. It when's the last time the guy that was the odds on favorite after week three actually won it? It's true. A lot of football to be played. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, he'll go that game against Clemson's on their schedule. So that's going to be big. And then sort of sneaky. I didn't realize this was even a game that was happening and would have big implications, but they play Houston uh, second to last week of the season. I think. Oh, that's going to uh, be a nice game. Pretty late in the season. So it's one of those games when you looked at the schedule, you're probably like, oh yeah, who cares? But now it looks like that could be, that could be a game for a playoff spot. Yeah. Wow. Who'd have thought that uh, for Houston that it might end up that uh, Oklahoma's not even the biggest game on their schedule this year? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's almost a guarantee at this point. Wow. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit. I, uh, I'd i like to jump into uh, this whole thing going on with the Indians. Trav, you were out of town over the weekend, and um, you know things kind of got really interesting um, for all the wrong reasons with the tribe, uh, Carlos Carrasco was pitching on Saturday afternoon, um, freak injury. He, uh, suffered a broken hand off a line drive on like the second or third pitch of the game. And, um, he, uh, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, that becomes the, uh, the second starting pitcher now, um, in addition to Danny Salazar, who's got the forearm problem, um, to go down. So the the Indians pitching staff is um, reeling uh, in a bad way here at the worst possible time of the year. And uh, things really took off on Saturday night and into Sunday morning when uh, Plain Dealer reporter Paul Hoynes, who's been covering the team for probably about 30 plus years now, uh, came out with a story following the game 
that uh, basically read like an obituary for the Indian season. He, um, in no uncertain terms, uh, declared that their postseason dreams were over before they began, and the season, for all intents and purposes, ended on September 17th. Um, that article did not sit very well in the Indians uh, clubhouse, and uh, there was a lot of blowback on social media over the last uh, couple days uh, since that came out. Trev, um, things really kind of picked up, I think, when you were flying back into town. Uh, but just since you've gotten back into town now and, and you've had a chance to catch up on everything, what um, what was your reaction to all this? Well, um, first of all, I think I think Hoynes has a point. I think it's hard to dispute that. Um, when you're the Indians and you've had, um, you know, the – the pitching problems that they've had at times in their rotation um, in terms of consistency specifically from your Trevor Bauer and Tomlin and uh, even Salazar and Carrasco lately haven't been lights out. But um, when you have that sort of stuff happen and it's sort of piled on, when you think about it, if you look at everything that's happened with the Indians this year, there's been a lot of injuries and that and stuff. But um, I think it's probably more the headline that got to the guys right away. Um, the headline was September 17th, the day Cleveland Indians postseason dreams ended before they began. So he's it, it, like you said, it's, it basically re- sounds like an obituary and I don't know if guys even read the whole thing, but they clearly took it very personally, especially, uh, um, especially Bauer. And I think probably the biggest reason, um, and we've talked about this before with Bauer is he, he seems kind of, he seems to lack confidence and have too much confidence at the same time if if that makes any sense he's emotional Um, yeah he's he's always emotional he thinks he's very good and at times he is he he seems to have confidence in his ability but he's also very like insecure about it so i think in this case almost by saying that the carrasco injury was this catalyst um my guess is what trevor bauer read to that was you had a chance with Carrasco. You don't have a chance with Bauer. That's my guess. At least I don't, I don't really know. Cause who can get into Trevor Bauer's head? Um, at least to know what he's thinking. I don't know, but, um, yeah, they seem to get very emotional kind of out of nowhere, um, with a seemingly harmless, um, article. I don't think it was meant to be personal or anything like that. Of course it shouldn't be, but, um, in all likelihood, these guys who see Paul Hoynes every day at work um, talk to him probably all the time. Um, they feel like this guy who they have a, a relationship with, whether that I mean, they don't they're not working for the same company. They both have different jobs, but they probably feel like, hey, this is a guy that I work with a lot. He's a good dude or whatever. So I like him. And then something like this comes out where, oh, he doesn't have any faith in us. OK, well, fuck him then. So I think that's sort of what it came down to. Um, and they and, sort of just kind of went off the deep end. Ultimately. And, and ultimately, losing a guy like Carrasco, they were probably already sort of emotional to begin with, you know, because like you said, they've been reeling a little bit. Um, so I could see that sort of just being the salt on the wound already. We can unpack what it means for their on-the-field chances here in a minute. But just to clarify, when we talk about um, Bauer getting uh, particularly upset by this, he was – probably the most outspoken of any of the Indians players in terms of uh, social media 
Uh, although Jason Kipnis chimed in as well. But uh, in particular, there were two tweets that came out from Trevor Bauer yesterday, and, and the one of them was in refer uh, in reference to Paul Hoynes. He goes, hopefully he doesn't come back. No one here has any time for his BS, and no one respects him. He's not welcome here. Um, and the other one, he, he said, I noticed that uh, Hoynes wasn't at the game today doing his job like the rest of us were to say what he said and then not show up for work. Hashtag coward. I'll get into that point in a second. First thing I want to talk about, though, is you mentioned the tweet that Hoynes had sent out with with his story and the headline saying that uh, the postseason dreams ended on September 17th before they even really got a chance to begin. Um, I think that was really more of a symptom of a bigger issue in just kind of the way the whole media business is going and, and just where it's at right now. As we've kind of made this shift into digital and we've got um, media companies that used to be reliant on print advertising, losing their print subscribers, and now they're having to rely on digital advertising, which doesn't draw in nearly the amount of money. They're trying to ring out every click that they can possibly get, every page view they can possibly get. That's why you can find what should be a nice, neat one-page story somehow bastardized into a 106-page slideshow, which Cleveland.com actually ran a few days ago. I don't remember what the specific story was, but I saw they turned the story into a 106-page slideshow, and I immediately closed off of it. Because it's going to automatic or it's going to artificially inflate their page numbers, so they're looking for ways to to get eyeballs on their site as much as possible. And one of the ways, in addition to, um, you know, breaking things up into multiple pages, it's taking provocative angles and and finding ways to say things that are um, more dramatic. Um, you know, he could have written something to the effect of. The Indians are going to be really up against it now with their rotation decimated. And nobody would have argued that. That would have been a completely fair thing to say. But at the same time, how many people are going to click on that? Would we be talking about that right now? No, probably not, because it's not nearly as um, inflammatory. And I, I just, it's a dangerous road to go down when you start trying to come up with something that's going to get eyes is, is, are you going too far? Um, I, I don't know if he went too far with this. I, I think I, on one hand, it's kind of ridiculous to say that, you know, it's hopeless for them. Um, I, I certainly think their odds are greatly diminished, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. In I mean, that's hard post-season. to argue. Yeah. Of course, losing your two, number two starter who has, I mean, a stuff and he's been inconsistent, but, yeah, it's hard. That's hard to argue that that's not going to hurt their chances, you know. Right, and and, and that's okay. But um, you know, if the Indians come back and and have a great postseason and win the World Series, uh, this is going to go down as one of those all time um, gaffes or, or or stories that gets retweeted endlessly and talked about for years to come. Is kind of the bullet board material. I mean, I've already started to see photoshops pop up with uh, Rachel Phelps from Major League with. Um, Paul, Paul Hoynes' face. face is photoshopped onto Rachel Phelps and um, Terry Francona playing the role of Lou Brown, taking off a piece by piece of the dress or whatever in the locker room to every time they win a game. And um, 
you know, I mean, that, that could become a great part of the folklore around this whole team and, and the way they rallied around all this adversity and, and overcame a, a great obstacle. It'll become but, the fall version of uh, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing, so like, I don't have necessarily a problem, I guess, with Paul Hoynes um, saying what he said. I, I, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he follows this team around every day. He's been covering the sport for 30 years. He knows what he's talking about. He's got um, a great reputation in the media business. Um, and and I, I think he really went for it with, with what he was saying. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe he lives to regret it. Maybe he won't. I mean, we'll see. The one thing that I do have a bit of an issue with was he wrote that story after the game on Saturday, and then he was not at the game on Sunday, which is what Trevor Bauer referenced when he said he didn't show up the next day, and he, he called him a coward. Let me be 100% clear. Paul Hoynes is not a coward. I've never met the man personally, but I have enough friends who do know him that have um, worked side-by-side side with him. I feel very confident in saying he is not a coward, and he was not ducking anybody. Um, he said he had a scheduled day off on Sunday, and uh, I'm going to take that at face value. My one thing I will say with that is that he had to know. You, you have to have an inkling when you turn a story like that in that it's going to upset some people. You, you're taking a very bold stance on things. And you're probably going to rub some people the wrong way, whether it's people in the clubhouse, people in the front office, or even the fan base. And I know he took a lot of shit from people in the general public. Um, for writing that and a lot of that's misplaced anger because people don't necessarily understand that beat writers are not supposed to be cheering for the teams they cover and that's a whole separate discussion but um he had to know that 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 was going to create a shit storm writing something like that at least to a certain degree and if you know that i mean it, it's a 101 level thing that if you're going to write something inflammatory you got to be there the next day to take the heat yeah you probably got to move your day off in that yeah, situation either, either move your day off and, and and come in there the next day, or if you're not going to do that and you've already got something planned and, and you can't do that, that's fine. But you, then wait a day to write, to run that. Um, don't make that your game story coming out of Saturday afternoon's game. Um, write a column or, or a separate story or something where you can convey that opinion at a later date when you can face the music the day after. And I, I wonder how much, frustration we would have seen publicly from the players had they been able to actually say something with him there. And, and I mean, that's one of those things that just from what I can remember working through J school and, you know, just a lot of the time when I was in my sports writing career was you, you're going to make people angry sometimes, but ultimately if you face up to them afterwards and you give them a chance to, for them to give you a piece of their mind, it's going to blow over a lot more quickly. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I obviously don't have the experience in this. You, you obviously worked at, the, at a newspaper uh, for a long time and ha- have been around these types more. I certainly don't know like the unwritten rules of journalism like you do, obviously. Um, and I don't, that might, I'm sorry, that might sound like condescending. I, I don't mean, I don't, I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> when you, I guess when I use a term like that, I, it makes, 
triggers that to me. But no, absolutely. You you would know far better than I what would be expected in that sort of exchange between those guys. Um, and I, I think Bauer has a valid point. While the the coward hashtag might be a bit over the line, I think he's I think he's got a point that if you're gonna say that, you can't just then you know. Uh, to me, that's like the guy who sends out some terse, uh, shitty, rude email at five o'clock on a Friday, um, and then dis- <laughs> then skates off for the weekend, and you know flies in on Monday after everyone else has actually read it. Um, so it's. It, it just wasn't handled great on his side. And I, the thing, the point I have is that I think his point could have been made a lot better without that clickbaity headline on it. Um, and while his, I think all we've seen him say so far is that he, he said that cause that's what he feels. Okay. And I, that's fine, I guess, but you probably could have softened it a little bit and maybe he, maybe he's not supposed to do that, but I feel like, if if making it a little more, um, I don't know, neutral or less, you know, like I said, less clickbaity would salvage. I, I have a feeling he's going to have a hard time talking to players for the rest of the season. Um, at least I, I can think of two that he'll probably have a hard time talking <laughs> to. Um, Honestly, I, I, I can only guess and I'm only speculating and maybe there's not a lot of value in that, but. I just wonder if if he was there the next day and those players that might have had a real problem with him went up to him in the clubhouse before the game or in the dugout before the game when the reporters are roaming around and said, you know what, you're you're an MFer. Um we're we're gonna go you know, stick it in your ear the rest of the year here. Um if that if they could have gotten it out of their system. Oh, yeah, because now they're quickly. just stewing on it. I, I, it just, I, I wonder if this whole thing prolongs nearly as much. Um, It probably barely, it's probably like a, probably barely gets a mention today. Um, If they could have hashed it out right after it happened and, you know, sort of moved on with it. But as it stands, it doesn't go public. all Hoynes really did was release a, a short tweet that said, I said it because I believe it. He didn't really address it so much as he just doubled down on it. Um. And the other guy said, "You know what? Uh, essentially, fuck you. We don't care. Don't co- don't come back. Not that the Indians or the players really have the right to tell a guy not to come back and do his job, but um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if anything else comes of it. I assume, I assume something will happen tomorrow. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if something happens tomorrow and we never hear about it. That's fine. And and I, honest to God, I, I I'm glad that you and I are having this." conversation tonight and we're doing this now because i hope this is not still a story later in the week i think there's enough interesting things happening on the field and i think where the indians go from here on the field which i want to get into here in a minute i think that's way more interesting and and i i want this to blow over in the next couple days i mean no good is going to come from this trevor bauer getting into it with a with a beat reporter on twitter is not gonna do anything good for the team. They're not going to benefit from that. You can't win a fight with a reporter on Twitter. And Bauer has just, I mean, I feel like Bauer's historically shown when he has these other things that he's thinking about, it impacts his game a lot. 
he's not one of these guys who just he's not a, a clue bot who just goes out there and when he's on the field he's just focused he seems like when he gets distracted he's legitimately distracted and he doesn't pitch well and now more than ever we need trevor bauer to pitch well playing yeah let's uh let, let's get into it so I mean, let's look at the rotation now going forward. I mean, I think the Indians right now, with they've got, what, 13 games left and a seven-game lead. So pretty safe to say that they're probably going to win the division here. It would be a pretty bad collapse at this point. Yeah, it, it, it it's they're, – they're going to make the playoffs here. Um, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So when you look at the division series, it's a best of five. They're going to have a rotation – um, that's probably going to look like uh, Kluber going game one. Trevor Bauer is now going to be counted on to be that pitcher in game two. Is Salazar for sure out? It's going to be close. I, I think he, I mean, part of the problem here is that you don't really have the luxury of having a guy doing any sort of rehab starts in the minor leagues because the minors are done now. Right. He's got to do something simulated most likely. Right, so he's going to be doing something on the side or whether they send him out to Arizona or, or whatever they do. I don't even know how you go about a rehab I assignment. I assume he'd just be doing simulated season. games during the day before games. Yeah. I assume. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that would be my guess. Right. So I, I think even if he does come back, it would probably be at a limited capacity. So uh, one of the interesting scenarios I saw thrown out was that they might look to go with a three-man rotation with Kluber – and then um, Bauer, and then like a combination of Clevenger and Tomlin in game three. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's honestly, they're going to have to get unconventional about it. Um, they don't really have a choice at this point. Nothing that they can tell us is going to instill a ton of confidence, right? <laughs> I mean, no matter what they tell us they're going to do, we're going to say, well, shit, we're still losing Carrasco. Um, and none of these guys are really pitching where we thought they'd be pitching. So let's just hope for the best. And I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, that we sort of have to expect that this is sort of a team that's been defying what we thought they would do anyways, all season. So I guess what's one more step in that direction. It's going to be fun. I, I, I saw another website today at lunchtime that had thrown out this idea of basically starting the game with a closer like either an Andrew Miller or a Cody Allen. And I I won't get into all the specifics, but basically the idea was let those guys face the most dangerous hitters in the lineup at the beginning of the game and then bring your starter in and like the third inning Um, that way they're starting off with the bottom of the order. And then when they go to the top of the order that they don't necessarily have to run into that danger zone of facing the other team's best hitters three times in a game. Um, that would be something it would be almost, comp- I don't know if I've ever seen that used elsewhere. Um, that seems really unconventional to me, uh, kind of crazy, but I like it. Um, I don't know that I'd necessarily advocate trying it, but I like the outside the box thinking, um, but just by and large, I'm, I'm really curious to see where they go with this because uh, I do think the Indians have got a, a decent chance regardless of who they face in the division series. I think they got a good chance of getting out of that first round 
Just because, I mean, if you figure it's a best of five and Corey Kluber can pitch right. two of those five yeah, games, I mean, you're gonna get you really need one guy out of the other three to come come through. Or, you know, you win a 7-5 game. You get to their right. starter, too. It's, let's, right. let's not forget that there's, there's two sides of baseball. While, yeah, the Indians' rotation has taken a hit, they've still... I don't know if we really realize how well uh, or how... Uh, how good their offense has been this year. They've scored a lot of runs. Um, it's not, it's not like they're this middling team who's just gotten by on pitching. I think coming into the season, some people thought it would be that way. Um, but that hasn't been the case. Um, a lot of timely hitting on this team. Jose Ramirez has far exceeded what we expected from him. Kipnis has been good. Um, Lindor has, I think, Probably might be a year earlier than we thought he would be this good, but he's, I mean, he's a star. So they've got guys that, you know, they're going to score some runs. And that third game, when you're putting, uh, when you're throwing Clevenger and Tomlin, that other team's throwing their third pitcher too. So Great point. let's, let's not, I don't want to count them out completely. I know that's sort of how this discussion started, but, um, you don't feel as confident, but they've still got a shot. I mean, they're in the playoffs. They've got a legitimate ace, probably the Cy Young favorite. If not, uh, I think Porcello is probably the only other guy with another legit chance. Um, they've got one of the best pitchers. They've got a pretty decent lineup. Give them, give them a chance first. And I think that's probably, you know, that's probably the route Hoynes should have taken, but I digress on that. Well, the Indians are going to the playoffs. Pretty confident of that. I think we are also pretty confident that the Browns are not going to the playoffs. That's a safe bet. Um, at this rate, the way things are going, I'm I'm not sure they're going to make it to the 16th game of the season, especially at the quarterback position. Um, not uh, not good. We found out Josh McCown today, second quarterback, that's going to be missing extended time. I believe he's got a shoulder injury as well, like uh, RG3 in week one. Um, Cameron Irving, our, our starting center, is going to be out. And uh, uh, Nassib, Carl Nassib, the uh, defensive player, uh, the rookie who's been getting some great marks, he's got a broken hand as well, so he's going to be missing some time. Um, kind of a depressing uh, nightmare scenario. You know, the Browns really showed some fight yesterday, but um, yeah, they ultimately came out like the gangbusters. Game, they did. Uh, I'm going to give them a lot of credit for that because uh, I, I was not sure they had the firepower to put up 20 points um, uh, in, in that short of order. <laughs> so to come out in the first uh, quarter there and, and score three times on their first three possessions, that uh, it was good. But, um, man, it, it went south in a hurry. Yeah, I think uh, I think I saw just on Twitter a minute ago uh, the Browns are going to – I mean, obviously they had to – bring in someone quarterback wise uh it looks like they're going to clipboard jesus oh man i was hoping you didn't see that i wanted to spring that on nope you. got it um oh, one of, yes, one of the great nicknames. browns need america we're bringing in clipboard jesus one of the so. great nicknames in all of football uh oh, clipboard jesus which to those of you who may not know charlie whitehurst um will be with the browns this week um who it's just yeah another week and I, i'll tell you what I said this to one of my buddies today. If the Browns got Josh McCown like seven or eight years ago, I don't. Th- I think he'd be like beloved in this town, and 
I don't think they'd blow right now. Um, I love them now as it is. I got to I got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to admit that because and I, I need a mea culpa on this one, because when they signed him before free agency even started back in uh, the what was it? Uh, January, February, just 2015. Jake DeLone, Jeff Garcia, like some other clown also ran who's just trying to cash a check. I thought it was going to yep. be a horrible move. I was not happy with that at all. And that I've done a complete 180 on that guy. He is tough as nails. He's a gamer. He he says all the right things. And you could just tell the rest of the guys in that locker room respect the hell out of him. And, uh, you know, he's a grown up in the room for a team that has not really Desperately done a very needed. good job of keeping veterans. Right. And he, I mean, he had that quote that just, you know, knocked your socks off the other day where he's, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was today or yesterday after the game, but he said, basically, you know, uh, I got a dad who goes to work every day. I got brothers who go to work every day. I'm trying to teach my kids like be tough. So I stayed out there. I essentially his, his, his reasoning was there's guys out there. They got a lot harder jobs than me, make a lot less money than I do. Yet they get up and go to work every day. So, he got choked up. I mean, he's he talking about it. he knows right like stuff. his clock. He's he's 37. I mean, he's only got so many snaps left in his playing career and, and he knows where he's at and, and he's fighting like hell to stay out there as much as he can. I got a lot of respect for that. Yeah, That's tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think he's one of those guys that if he'd gotten the chance a few years ago before he was, you know, 30, how old was he when he was when he had that decent little run in um, in Chicago? Uh, if he'd gotten a good a chance with with the team to, to you know really be a starter, I think he probably could have been. And, and if you look at his numbers, he's not a bad. He's not bad. He plays pretty well. Yeah. Puts some pretty good numbers. Um, and like you said, as tough as they come, that guy just keeps coming back. You can't take him down. Um, and like I said, he's one of those guys that if he'd been here all along, he's he's a hundred. Every Cleveland fan would love that guy if he'd been here longer and had a chance to actually win some games here. The whole quarterback situation just bums me out because one of the things that you and I talked about last week in our uh, podcast that never was, <laughs> I, I was really bummed out about what happened with RG3. I, I felt like I really wanted to see him get a chance to play with a change of scenery, uh, fully healthy now that he's had a couple years and not really playing too much. And, um, I mean, it's basically seems like that, that whole experiment's going to be uh, it might be done now. I mean, he might not be back until and they said at a minimum uh, week 10. And by the sounds of it, I, I don't think he's even going to be ready then. So um, really sucks to see that happen with him. But Cowan, we don't really know for sure. He's definitely, I think the way the Browns left it today is that he's definitely out for this week and it's going to be week to week after that. But just based on all the indicators, it doesn't seem like he's going to be coming back anytime soon. So that sucks. And my God, it leaves him now with uh, Cody Kessler getting thrown to the wolves. Yeah. I'll post on, the question uh, I asked last week. Um, and our, our new listener, Justin Marhar will identify with this one, which, uh, which Kessler do you think will have a longer, more prestigious career, Cody or uh, Jerry Seinfeld's neighbor in the Seinfeld Chronicles? <laughs> <laughs> it's a phenomenal reference it's uh, and it's a fair it's, question it's pretty it's pretty appropriate because he he kind of lasted like one guy. episode yep and he kind of seems and like at the rate guy. the browns quarterbacks are going 
yeah, I'm with you 100%. I th- he seems like this guy is probably going to have like a cup of coffee in the league, and that's sort of what um, everyone said, except, uh, <laughs> except Hugh Jackson says uh, you got to trust him on this one. So we'll see, we'll see what we get out of him. I, I don't know. I, th- I Honestly, his only chance was probably to sit and study for a year, and he didn't even have that opportunity. So he's not ready. No, I mean, by all indications, what you talk to people inside and outside that building, anybody that watched the preseason, I mean, this was supposed to be a red shirt year for him. And if he's going to develop into an NFL ready quarterback, it's not now. I mean, throwing him out there, especially behind that line that already got two quarterbacks severely injured in the first two games, the first five quarters of the season, really, uh, this is a suicide mission for him. Um, it's it's not good. It's not good for him. It's not good for the team. And the other thing that sucks about that is that it's not good for the players around him. I mean, we saw some really cool things out of Corey Coleman, the wide receiver, yesterday. And because he had a quarterback who could get him the ball. And Kessler, it doesn't seem like he can throw the ball more than about 10 yards reliably. And that's not going to do any good for, for Coleman's development or Terrell Pryor's development as a wide receiver. And, you know, that actually, that leads me to the other thing. I've, I've seen some people whispering, well, you know, hey, Terrell Pryor, quarterback. No. 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 <laughs> Thank you. I don't care. This is another I don't thing care. I think you and I talked about last week. If you have any sort of uh, belief that he is going to develop into an NFL caliber wide receiver, and which he has shown some. Are that he has it in him. Yeah, he's shown flashes that he can do it, which I'm amazed by, given the juncture of his career that he's at. Um, you can't be wasting snaps on him at quarterback. Yeah, he needs to be playing wide to receiver. Slow that growth. Yeah, it, 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 he has no future in the in the league as a quarterback, and and it's outside of running a trick play here or there. That there's no good in playing him under center. So d- don't do that. Yeah, I agree. I I think they just need to go. Hugh needs to find personally. I I don't even really want him to start Kelsey this week. I'd rather they go find anyone that knows. Hughes system even remotely he's been in the league a long time I guarantee there's a quarterback out there who's sitting at home who they could call and I don't know what I don't honestly I don't know if Whitehurst has played for him before but I'd rather than go find anyone that they can bring in we know it they know it but they won't say it they're not going anywhere this year What's the point of like, if it, if you obviously their plan was not to play Kessler this year and they thought that was what was best for him. I don't want you to give that up regardless of what I think of what he can do long term. I still I think it's stupid to give that uh, abort your plan essentially at this point just because a couple guys got hurt. Um, we, we've sort of agreed that this whole season is a. Uh, you know, is a long play. It's not about this season. So I, I think they need to do everything they can to stick to the original plan with Kessler and Pryor and everybody, all these young guys. Um, stick to the plan. And if you need to go find some, some vet to stink it up for a couple of weeks, then so be it. And you need an innings eater at the, you know, in baseball, one of those pitchers that, it's not necessarily going to set the world on fire, but can like just get you through the rest of the game and, and save the rest of the guys on your staff. That's basically what you need the NFL quarterback equivalent of now. And we'll see if Whitehurst is it. It sounds like they're going to go with Kessler, which I think is 
I think it's a poor decision, but, you know, whatever. I guess at this point, we'll see what the kids got. Ruin him early, just like all the other ones. I, I mean, yeah, it, it sucks for him. I, I, I question what his ceiling is, even with a year to develop. So in, in the end, um, maybe it doesn't necessarily matter too much for him, but it's certainly going to inhibit the guys around him. One other thing I wanted to bring up from yesterday's game, that play towards the end of the game, the second to last play when Terrell Pryor got hit with the taunting penalty. Did you see the end of the game? Have you seen the highlights? Yeah, it was a pretty bad call. And I haven't really seen, I haven't seen anyone that said it was, that said it was good. Even on like the national stage, I haven't heard anyone say, yeah, that's a flag that should have been thrown. I think the most annoying part of it is that he gets up and he throws it. um, I mean, not throws it. He barely tosses it. um, And, there's a ref standing there about two feet away. Um, the guy that's on the ground, none of them seem to react to it. And the flag comes from this guy behind the play. I don't get when, if you're, I mean, these guys are supposed to operate sort of as a team, these teams of officials. Why would you make that call? It's one of those things I never understand, and it happens a lot in sports. When you're not the guy in position, why wouldn't you just trust the guy that is in position to make the call? Yeah, the guy that Pryor was throwing the ball to. Right. Why wouldn't he have said he was throwing the ball to me? Right, and by all accounts, it sounds like Pryor didn't say anything. He wasn't He wasn't like running his mouth or bragging or, or, or verbally taunting. Um, I'm not sure if he was actually doing it to taunt or if it like slipped out of his hands while he's trying to get it to the ref by all accounts he was probably you know in case the clock was running um trying to hurry up because that would have been the the right thing to do in that situation um to you know try to get to the ref as quickly as possible so he can spot the ball and you can continue so there's I, i i have to hope that it was just a misunderstanding and you know just a bad call and it wasn't you know maybe the guy was right and prior was being a little uh little cocky about it but i i don't i don't think that's the case and i would hope that it isn't because if he was that's a stupid play on his part as well did not look like i mean there were some close-ups there he didn't say anything you could see his face he he was not saying anything it looked like he was trying to throw the ball hurry up get back to the ball right and and he kind of half-assed it and and the ball just sort of fell out of his hands and there was a, a defender on a knee in between him and the ref and it landed on him. So I, I really don't think there was anything, um, any sort of intention of taunting there at all. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the feeling I got too. And I, I didn't see it live. I only sort of saw the highlight of it. So, um, I just wasn't sure if maybe there was something I didn't see that you would have been a little more prone to, but nope. yeah, ultimately it just, it's a bad call, and everyone has come out and said as much. Um, and it's amazing how those calls seem to go against you, especially when your team is already yep. struggling. Yep, when you get out <laughs> to a big lead and then all of a sudden can't do anything for the last three quarters of the game. Yeah, I'm not really going to hold that against the Browns offense too much because when you saw McCown coming off the field, he was holding his shoulder after the third touchdown. I, I, I texted our buddy John. I said it. it, it He's hurt. Like I, I didn't think he was going back in the game, and um, I, I mean the fact that he stayed in there and finished it out was great. But he clearly was operating at less than a hundred percent. So 
it was going to be hard for your offense to move the ball when you've got a quarterback that's operating at maybe half capacity. Yep. He, I mean, he gutted it out. So that's, that's all you can ask for. And it's truthfully, I'm, I'm, are we really going to get that mad about Brown's losses? Regardless of the circumstances. Yeah. Maybe a bad call hurt him, but at the end of the day, does, does it really matter? Or are we going to look back on this in, in three months and say, man, if they'd only gotten that call right. The only way yeah. we do that is if they're trying to avoid the the offer. Yeah, there's just no point in getting caught up in the minutia of these things. Which you I notice know. how like somber our mood gets when we start talking Browns. I well, it's impossible yeah, it's, to avoid. It is, and it's just there's no point, I guess, in getting. I know it's kind of ironic to say this now after we just spent the last ten minutes dissecting one play at the end of a game, but uh, there's really no point in dissecting the minutiae of this stuff with the season. Cause I mean, it's really, it's all big picture stuff for them right now. It's trying to develop guys like Corey Coleman, who, by the way, shout out to him for on that last drive. And again, I'm going to go ahead and dissect a specific play, but th- there was a big pass to him over the middle when they were out of timeouts and he fought like hell to get to the sidelines and get out of bounds. And he had to break a tackle to do it. And there are not a lot of players that would necessarily have the presence of mind to do that. Even guys that have been in the league six or seven years. So when you're looking for positives out of a young guy, that, that was very encouraging to see, but you know, I mean the big picture, it's it's trying to develop guys like that. And, you know, I mean, these losses, I I don't think it's going to come down to one play in in a lot of these games going forward. I I really don't. And especially if they got to trot Cody Kessler out there now, um, God help them. And, you know, if you're playing in an elimination pool at your office, I think your picks for the next few weeks are going to be really easy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No quit. No kidding. I told I was, I was with uh, one of my buddies and his uh, girlfriend this weekend, and she, he, they both do a, like, pick em league, I guess. And I was like, just there's only four weeks where you, where you should struggle to pick a team. and Or three weeks, I said, when you should struggle to pick a team. And then it's when those three teams you already picked against the Browns are playing them. The, That's right. Those division games when you already used the Steelers. Put it running it Ravens. back for the second game. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, and I say that half kidding because obviously you, you got to think they're going to win a game eventually. Um, you hope. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. But it's funny. I, I, I was thinking about it. And truthfully, if you're a long-term person and you're one of those people who's like, you know what, don't kill your draft position and i know that sucks to think about in week two but let's be honest that's where the browns are right now um they're thinking about it yeah you, they absolutely are in that front office they're absolutely thinking about it right now no question and when you think about it it's like yesterday was kind of kind of perfect a couple exciting plays got to see some of the young guys do some stuff um it was kind of fun like our buddy um rusnak who is probably one of the most foolishly loyal Browns fans out there. goes to every game. He's the first guy in the Muni lot every weekend, and he's got season tickets, and he's at every every damn game. He's getting shipped out um, for his third tour uh, in the Middle East, I guess, here. And so he only got to do one game this year, and it was yesterday. So he went and he did his tailgating, and then he went to the game. Um, and he got to at least see some fun, exciting football. It might have been short-lived, um, and the end result might not have been great, but 
I mean, he got to see a couple plays, and I have a feeling that crowd was probably pretty great for the first quarter. Sure. So, I mean, if you're looking long-term and, you know, to still enjoy the season, that's sort of what you can hope for is a few plays made here and there, and and that's about all you can ask for, I think. Yeah, you know, a few bright spots here and there, and, you know, in the meantime, we'll hope the Indians can prove Paul Hoynes wrong, and the Cavs are only about six weeks away. Yeah, it's so. funny. We talk about four things generally on this um on this podcast and all like three of them you've got the Cavs who just won the title Indians who are going to win their division and go to the playoffs Ohio State looks like a powerhouse uh, probably going to be in the playoff again this year and then the Browns <laughs> it's we we have three teams that are all really fun really worth rooting for um really interesting and then a team who literally were just hoping they don't kill their draft position by winning one too many games. Yeah, that sums it up. Kind of, kind of a nutshell, right? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Ugh. I think it's also fair to say that um, going forward, I, I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot less Browns. Um, <laughs> I, I know two weeks ago we, we wanted to do a preview just to kind of get the season rolling and you know, to, to do this one just because um, they, they've had their first two games that actually counted. So we wanted to kind of take stock of things now that the games actually matter a little bit. But I don't know how many more times we can have the same conversation. I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. And, I mean, if things turn around and they, they have some good performances here or there, or they make some headlines or something, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But there's really not a lot to be gained from um, dragging ourselves through uh, <laughs> yeah, so full depressionville here uh, every it's week. It's going to be a lot of a lot of Buckeyes and Tribe for the next month. Then Cavs start, and we can work them in as well. And the Browns are kind of going to be the footnote, I think, just because there's not a whole lot interesting to talk about with them. Fine by me. Yep, agreed. Seconded. Any uh, anything else before we wrap this one up? Um, no, I'm watching. Bears just constantly hand the ball to the Eagles. Fumbles the clown is yeah, uh, wearing. Uh, speaking of the, draft uh, stock, the blue and orange. Speaking of draft stock, I guess the Eagles didn't get the memo. That's our pick, no. you jerks. You got your win. Now stop it. <laughs> this, is, this is not helping anybody here. This is hor- This is not how selfish of them, jerks. Ugh. Yeah. So. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's put a bow on this thing. Uh, I just want to tell everybody out there, if you're listening to us, um, you know, I, I, I really wanted to just kind of uh, say you got a lot of options out there. I know that there's a lot of really good podcasts, especially here in Cleveland uh, and then nationally as well. And obviously you've got the local talk radio and then you've got your Spotify or your Apple Music or whatever other music listening service you, you listen to and um you got a lot of choices. So if you are spending an hour a week uh, with us on um, the weeks that our technology works and we actually put a show out, uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, we're committed to doing this thing for the long term. We really want to grow it. And, uh, you know, thanks a lot for listening. Hope you'll stick with us. If you haven't subscribed yet on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever, uh, go do that. That way, you know, you can always get us in the future. Um, anytime we have another episode come out and, um, you know, don't be afraid to tell your friends too. spread the word. Uh, we always like getting new listeners. Exactly. And, uh, if you no, like it, there's a chance someone, you know, likes it. Absolutely. And, uh, 
it uh, it's always nice when we pick up a new listener and we've got the Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. I've seen a few names popping up on there. People are liking our page that I don't actually recognize, which has been kind of exciting for me personally to know that this is maybe possibly finally starting to branch out past being just a friends and family only operation. So um, that's pretty cool. Agreed. I got nothing All else. Right. That's it. Good stuff. Let's uh, let's get out of here then. So uh, yeah. Um, for Travis Shealy, I am Tom Valentino. This has been The Nail in the Coffin, and uh, we will talk to you again next week. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.